And you may be seated. I get to be your scripture reader today. Um, where's Dick Crow? Where did Dick Crow go? Dick, are you still here? Maybe he doesn't want to hear me preach today. Um, but Dick Crow schedules the scripture readers each and every Sunday. So let's give Dick a big round of applause. Where, where is he? There he is. He didn't leave yet. <laughs> so, you know, t- today I'm just going to read the scripture reading from Romans chapter 12 that has kind of been our foundational um, point of context as we've discovered the spiritual gifts. Um, but, but if you're interested in sharing God's word, reading from God's word, if that you feel the Lord saying that might be a gift I'm willing to share, um, just let Dick know, let us know. We'd love to plug you in. Thank you to those of you that are already doing that. But yes, open your Bibles or look on the screens behind me as we engage um, once again God's word together this Sunday. Again from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Let's walk through this together briefly. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment according to the faith by which God has distributed to each of you. I love how Paul begins. For by the what? Grace that God has given me, I say to you, don't get puffed up with the gifts that God has given you. Don't get puffed up, but be thankful and be ready for God to deploy you in mission and ministry. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. In other words, all of us have a gift. If you're a follower of Jesus, You have a spiritual gift or gift set that God wants to deploy into action. And guess what? The person sitting next to you today may not have that same spiritual gift. And that's on purpose and for a purpose. God knows what God's doing. Amen? Verse 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace. There's that word again. According to the grace given to us. It's by God's grace, friends, that we have gifts for mission and ministry. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Seven motivational, functional spiritual gifts or the DNA, that spiritual DNA that God has knit together inside you deep in your soul as you have said yes to Jesus, as you have followed him. Now, hypothetically speaking, Say there was this church that needed a parking lot repair. (laughs) How might those seven gifts come into play? The prophet would say, if we just would have done this years ago. (laughs) The the giver, what, would say, okay, let's fundraise, right? Or I'm going to put a seed gift, the person with mercy would say, I'm grateful we're doing this now so no one can get hurt. If you're a server, 
Let me take time to meet. Let me take time to meet with whatever the facilities team, leadership, the leaders, right? They would coordinate with Session and others. The teacher, let me, let me research the different options, right? The encourager would say, in the long run, this process is going to be worth it. You see, if it's a parking lot, if it's planning a worship service, if it's planning outreach, God can use people with these seven different gifts or gift sets in various different ways. And friends, today we want to look at those of you who are encouragers, who have been gifted by the Lord to encourage others, not just Personally, that's important. But as we'll see, the Apostle Paul, it's encouraging others to grow in their faith. I like to say, as much as the lazy boy recliners are awesome, right? We just cannot kick back and recline. Every day that God gives us, every day that God gives us, we can be on mission and ministry for him. Now, who doesn't like to receive a note of encouragement, right? You know, today we can get that in various ways, you know, text, email, Facebook, Instagram, but there is nothing like that handwritten note of encouragement. Amen? For all of you that have love to do that, don't discount. You're using a gift. It's, it's, I mean, it's so easy just to get out that phone, right? But to take the time to write a note Put a stamp on it. I know it's getting higher every year, right? But to put a stamp on it and to place it in the mail. I, I loved, I saw a great church sign the other week. It says, now's a good time to visit. Our pastor is on vacation. <laughs> that, I, they were trying to encourage others to come, I guess. So <laughs> in, now's a great time to visit. Our pastor's on vacation. Encouragement comes in different ways, and our world needs encouragement. Axis is an eco-partner in ministry, a covenant order of evangelical Presbyterians. That's who we're a part of. Axis is a ministry to families with children and youth um, navigating the, the wayward ways of this world, right? And one of the things they put out at the end of the year was kind of the top 10 things that youth are having to navigate. Forget about, forget about Taylor Swift for a minute, okay? Forget about Facebook, Instagram. But you know, one of the things that they put up that it really impacts us all, but especially youth. I didn't know this was declared. In 2023, the U.S. Surgeon General announced that he brought attention to what he sees as a social disconnect between people all over the nation. He declared a loneliness epidemic. Did you know that? Loneliness epidemic was declared by the U.S. Surgeon General in 2023. And so encouragement is needed personally. It's needed especially spiritually because more and more this world, we're, ca we're called to be encouragers to one another, but more and more in this world, we're feeling isolated and alone. And yet God has a plan. God has a plan for those of you with the gift 
of encouragement, to cause someone to be encouraged or to console by verbal or non-verbal means. This root word from the Greek comes from paraklesis, which is the word for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the helper. Jesus said, I'm going to be with the Father, but I'm going to send you what? The Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you help. I'm going to send you one that will encourage you on your journey of life and faith. This DNA of encouraging helps others grow and mature in their Christian lives. I'm going to say that again. I am not discounting that handwritten note that you write to say, I miss you. I'm thinking of you. But most of all, in the church and spiritual context, this DNA of encouraging helps others grow and mature in their Christian lives. A few weeks ago, Pastor DJ, who's coming soon, by the way, March 11th is his first day of work. Not that I'm counting, not that Joy's counting. (laughs) But but he preached from Philippians chapter 2. And it just hit me, how did that begin? When he preached on leadership, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then, Paul says what? Make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. If you have any encouragement, if you have any paraclesis, We're to cheer one another on in our faith. And that's what encouragers are. They're cheerleaders in the church. Now, they may not have pom-poms, but they're cheerleaders. Encouragers are cheerleaders in the church. Our mission statement here at Good Shepherd is to invite everyone to grow into what? A Christ-centered life in God's family. We need to be encouraged in that because some days it's hard, isn't it? Isn't it? To be a follower of Jesus no matter what age you are, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a senior adult, it's hard or anywhere in between. But but oftentimes teachers, those with the gift of teaching and encouragers work together, although they come at it very differently. The teachers are very practical, right steps, how you can grow in in Christian maturity. They'll do a lot of research. While teaching DNA may deal with truths which stimulate the mind, the encouraging DNA aims at the heart with truths which transform daily living. A teacher might write books on theology. Encouragers prefer to write or encourage others. How do you pray? How do you evangelize? And other practical steps in the Christian faith. Encouragers enjoy opportunities where they can give personal guidance, often one-on-one. They are usually very positive and optimistic. The only Hang up with encouragers. Sometimes they they think more about what they want to tell you than you want to hear right now. So encouragers need to be what? Slow to speak and quick to, to listen. People don't care or people don't know how much you care until they know how what you care how much you know. No. See, I when I go off script. <laughs> People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Is that, is that good? Okay. 
I need a teleprompter, right? <laughs> but that is honestly, sometimes encouragers want to get, you know, the cart, a, the, the cart ahead of the horse. They want to go, go, go. And so friends, who is our ultimate example of an encourager? Once again, we're going to look at Jesus. So I invite you to turn in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 14. We see in Jesus a model of encouraging. He spoke in the synagogue, as we'll see, in Nazareth, where he grew up, on how his ministry fulfilled that of the promised Messiah. Let me say that again. As we'll find out here, Jesus is speaking on how his ministry was fulfilling that of the promised Messiah. And friends, that it was an encouragement to all who heard that day, but that can be an encouragement to you and I in 2024. This is a ministry of encouragement from the Lord, from the one who said, who, who is it said about in Hebrews chapter 2, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus knows you. He loves you. He came and died and rose again for you. And you can trust him even when the days are dim and dark. So friends, this is God's word to us today. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Where was Jesus right before he returned to the Galilee? He was in the Judean desert, being tempted by the devil, 40 days and 40 nights. Luke records his first act of ministry back in the Galilee region, and he goes back back eventually, as we'll see, to his hometown of Nazareth, verse 15. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. You stood up to read, you sat down to teach. The eyes of everyone on the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled what? In your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips, even though we don't know what they were. Oh, what a sermon that must have been. What a message to which the last line that we're going to read today from Luke is, they responded, isn't this Joseph's son? I'm sure that was as much in amazement as it was like, isn't this the boy that grew up in Nazareth? 
But friends, why is this a ministry of encouragement? Do you believe that Jesus is alive and is the living and reigning Lord today, friends? Do you believe that? He has come. He has died. He has been raised again. And he wants to be and he is interceding for you right now at the right hand of God the Father as our great high priest. This should bring us encouragement on our journey of life and faith even when the days are dark and tough. Paul, in his missionary journeys in Acts chapter 13, they reach a new place called Antioch. He goes to the synagogue and there's a reading of the law and from the book of Moses and from the Psalms. They sit back down and as they sit back down, The synagogue rulers say to Paul, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. If you have what? A message of encouragement for the people. And Paul, if you read Acts chapter 13 from that point on, tells the story of God's faithfulness. And eventually he tells them that Jesus is not only for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. It is so powerful to go read in Acts chapter 13 the response to that question from the synagogue ruler. If you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. And boy, did Paul speak. And boy, have others spoken over the years. Do you remember the person or persons, or the place where you first heard about Jesus? It was a message, I trust, of encouragement. It wasn't just a teaching of all the facts of the Christian faith. There's a time and a place for that, and that's important. All you teachers out there, amen, and God bless you. Dr. Darrell Bach says, though, it's not merely a matter of teaching doctrine and facts, but also of relating that teaching to life and putting flesh and blood on it. He says, I often tell my students that the ministry is much as exhortation and encouragement as pure teaching. We speak to hearts, not just minds. But there must be content sent to the heart or else we are ministering to nothing more than what a person can get in the lifestyle section of the bookstore or what they can receive from their neighborhood counselors. Friends, the major application emerging from the scene here where Jesus preaches in the synagogue involves the nature of his mission. It was going to be a mission of encouragement physically, spiritually, and emotionally. It was to be a mission that he wasn't just going to keep to himself. I mean, he invested three years in a small group of disciples before he sent them out on mission and ministry. I mean, imagine all of us, if you were getting wheeled in to have heart surgery and the surgeon said, boy, I'm glad I got that one-year crash course on this. It takes time, and that's the ministry of an encourager, encouraging the teachers, (laughs) but also wanting to get one-on-one, saying, I'm praying for you today. 
I want to meet with you and, and study the book of John together. The encouragers, friends, are cheerleaders in the church, all because Jesus began his mission of footnoting Isaiah chapter 61 and saying, today these words have been filled, fulfilled in your presence. I am here. God is here. God loves you. And so if you have the gift of encouragement, who might God be planting in your path that may be doubting that there is a God, doubting that God loves them, doubting that there's even hope in this world? That's why Paul says, if your gift is encouragement, then encourage. And that's easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? And that's why we need one another. That's why we need the body of Christ. We're all in this together, all of us with our different gifts and abilities. And six weeks is hardly enough to try to figure all this spiritual DNA out. But I believe along with you today that Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father, praying to encourage each of us in our life and in our faith. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. That message that day in the synagogue in Nazareth was a message of encouragement. I have no doubt, even though some would push back and later try to throw him off the cliff. But Jesus stuck to that message. Jesus stuck to that mission. And so should we, even in days that are difficult. Friends, I believe that before I become wise, I must first realize that I'm foolish. Before I can receive power from the Spirit, I must first confess that I'm powerless. I must lament my sins before I can rejoice in the Savior. Mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, mourning in God's order always comes before exaltation. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such that have a contrite spirit. That's the posture. That's the beginning of our journey, saying, Lord, it's not about me. I'm not going to be puffed up and think I can check all the boxes. I'm separated from Jesus because of my sin. And yet the cross bridges that gap, friends. And so the starting point for all of us may be to say, I'm a sinner. I have done wrong. Jesus, will you forgive me? And that forgiveness is a wave of encouragement and refreshment like no other, friends. And it's not just to stop there. The church's mission is not just to keep that within these four walls or over the internet. Hi, friends. It's to go out, right? Jesus said to go out to all nations. Begin here and then go out. And those who have that encouragement gift will pray for us, will cheer us on and be ready to remind us and to encourage us to stay the course. And can we do that together with all different gifts and abilities in all ages? Absolutely. Is it messy at times? Absolutely. But Jesus is faithful. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? So Lord, as we come to your table now, may we be reminded by the bread that we receive 
and the cup that we drink, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords and that you love us so much and that your mission, your primary mission launched there out of the synagogue of Nazareth and in the Galilee was to be a ministry of encouragement. That, Lord God, you are faithful. You keep your promises. And even today in 2024, may your encouragement, your encouraging spirit wash over us all I pray and we pray with one heart and mind. And so we do ask for it. We wait for it. And we expect it. Thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.